G'day community, as I hear, before we begin today's final BBL podcast of the season, an apology from me as I will not be attending this podcast, but I will be leaving you in more than capable hands of Damo and Dylan. Enjoy Super Coaches and best of luck in the finals. G'day community and welcome to the JR BBL podcast. This is episode 12. Scorchers and Sixers will go head to head at the SCG tomorrow night for the BBL grand final. We're finally here. But before we get there, we've got Supercoach teams to sort out and helping me help you is Dill. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Damo. Good to be back. Only this will be our last one unless we do like a post-season review. So... Fingers crossed we can rise up the ranks one more time. I'm very steadfast in the fact that I want to stay in the top 111 places. I want those prizes. Want those KFC Zinger vouchers. Absolutely. So we've got the Scorchers who seem to have a pretty settled lineup on the surface. Jason Roy was injured, so Cam Bancroft did come in. But the Sixers don't really have a settled lineup, especially in their bowling department. So it makes so it makes them sort of an unknown entity when it comes to who's going to bowl four or three or two or one or none. Who are the must-have sixes players? I think some of the must-haves, I, I think Josh Phillip is a must-have. He's averaging just under 60. He opens the bat in, still gets points for his wicket-keeping here and there. So I think he's one that's a must-have. Um, aside from that, I think I like Abbott and Dwarf just for their job security. I think they're more than likely they'll bowl three or four each. Um, I don't think either will get X Factor subbed out. So those three are probably the three sixes I've got as must-haves. Um, what about yourself? I've also got Dan Christian as a must-have. Yeah, I agree. Um, just because even though he hasn't been bowling, it doesn't mean that he won't. And he's usually... He's one of those players where it's probably more dangerous to leave him out than to have him in. He could return you a score of uh, nothing almost. But if you don't have him, he's going to hit 50 off 12 or whatever it is and bowl three off 24 in two overs or something. So he's very much one of those impact players who we don't know when he's going to impact, but it's usually when you don't have him that he does his damage. Yeah, for sure, and I think we spoke about this on on last week's episode. But he's a guy that the um that the Sixers will turn to when they're on the ropes. Um, they're more likely, I think, to give Dan Christian overs than they might be to give a Jackson Bird or a Jake Ball overs. Sorry, that's a dog. Uh, so I think yeah, he and he, he's obviously that floater in the middle order um, who can, as you said, hit a quick fire 30, 40, 50, um, which translates to pretty big super catch points. So he's also one that I would strongly advise owning. What about the Scorchers? Who would you say they must have Scorchers? I think Liam Livingston is probably the must have Scorcher, but you've also got the likes of Jason Berendorf, who has gone up a level in this final series. Uh, Andrew Ty has been serviceable without being 
fantastic, but I think he's a must-have just for the fact that he bowls his four overs. And if he plays, I actually think Cam Bancroft might be a must-have, especially if he stays at the top. Yeah, Bancroft's an interesting one. Obviously, he came in to fill that hole left by Jason Roy. Um, I I didn't really consider Bancroft last round purely because I thought, you know, maybe they'll open with Munro or Inglis, but turns out obviously Bancroft opened it and, and carried his bat the whole way through. So he's definitely one to one to certainly look at if he maintains that um, opening batsman role, which we'll know, especially if the Scorchers bat first. Um, so fingers crossed that happens. I think another name that is worth locking in is Jai Richardson. I know he's a little bit out of form, but given he can, you know, swing the bat late, um, and, he, and he's been the best bowler in the in the competition this season. I think he's one that, yes, he's out of form, but I'd rather not take him on and, and just pick him. And if he does well, awesome. And if he doesn't, awesome as well. I think most most teams will have him. Um, so he's one that I don't think I would take on. Are there any? Is there any players that you think will be popularly popular um, that you might might fade? I'm at the moment. I haven't got Josh Inglis in my side. I think. Uh, the way the Scorchers' top order goes, unless it gets really, really late in the innings and there's still only one or two bat- batsmen into their order, I don't think he will push up the order. I think it's more likely to be a Marsh or a Munro that pushes themselves in. Um, so, and especially at the SCG, which is traditionally a batter's pitch, I'm not all that fond on Josh Inglis, even though he does go quite well against the Sixers. Yeah, I agree with that as well. And even Ashton Turner, I know off there you were saying that you could perhaps leave him out before he is fit. But I think they're more likely to promote Turner ahead of Inglis as well, given Turner is a bit of that, you know, sort of kamikaze, hit 30 off 10 balls and, and really give them a leg up in the innings. So Inglis, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Bancroft and Livingston start well um, or Bancroft and uh, sorry Livingston and Roy. If Inglis ends up even batting as low as six, um, given that he's not he's not the same power hitter as some of those Marsh and, and Turner and and Munro types, um, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, he's obviously meant to bat at number four, but as you said, the Scorchers have been pretty fluid in that, um, depending on the game sense. So he's one that you definitely could look to fade. Um, another one I'm thinking about is potentially one of Berendorf or Ty. Um, both are pretty hit and miss. If you don't pick them, they'll end up taking three for and doing really well. And if you do, it's highly likely they'll score 20 or under. But just purely from a, I guess, matchups perspective, if you're picking Philippi and Vince, um, Moses Enrique is, in, is another that'll be really popular. Can those three all score, all score well if you're banking on Richardson and Berendorf and Tide also score well? There is one argument that you just pick in six blokes and hoping four come off. Um, and that's a strategy that I guess is sort of valid if you're looking to hold on to your rank. Um, but if you're looking to move up in the ranks, sometimes it might be worth looking uh, more heavily towards the side that you think will win. So, for example, if you think the sixes will win, maybe you pick you pick O'Keefe instead of Ty or you pick um, Jordan Silk instead of... Josh Inglis, for example. So I think that's Inglis is one that I'm certainly looking at fading as well. Um, and then Berend- maybe one of Berendorf or Ty, but I guess this stage of the season, you're sort of making 50 50 calls and just crossing your fingers, aren't you? 
Yeah, at this point, there's uh, not really much room for error, but there's also the case that 90% of your side will be pretty similar across the board. So it really comes down to those two or three players that you've taken punts on coming off for you to push you either further up or that's going to hurt you and send you down the order. And there are players that um, won't be popularly picked that will do well. So last night we saw Bancroft was one that was not in too many sides. Darren Hardy was another who went 80 plus and, um, and Joe Burns too. So, you know, those three guys weren't anywhere near the top of my priority list, but were three of the top four scorers. So sometimes if you get it wrong, it can really hurt. But additionally, if you get it right, you should be able to hold hold on to where you are. Before we started recording, you went through some numbers because the Scorchers and the Sixers have played each other three times already. What were the scoring trends that you found? Yeah, so I've taken a look at the seasonal averages um, across the season for both Scorchers and Sixers and also the head-to-head averages. So as Damo said, they've played each other three times now, so we've got a little bit of data to look at. The key sort of trends that I've noticed are James Vince loves playing the Scorchers. Yes, he got a 98 not out in that first final, but he also has a score of 87 in there. Um, yes, there's a duck, but he's the best-performing player across the three rounds um, and also the guy that improves his, his seasonal average when you compare it to the head-to-head. So Vince is one that really likes playing the Scorchers. Mitch Marsh is another. Um, Josh Philippi, uh, Josh Inglis, AJ Ty, Colin Munro and Steve O'Keefe also prefer playing the Scorchers than other sides. So they all have positive, um, I guess, scoring differences. Some of the worst differences, uh, Moses Henriquez is down 468 as an average, but he's only played that one game and he went out cheaply. Um, ben Dwarshus, he's either 33.5 points down or 10.5. So we had that game where he was he rolled a couple of balls or something and got injured in his first over and was expected out. So sort of take that with a grain of salt. Dan Christian's a really interesting one. He's 28.77 points worse. So that's one that... I don't. I, I as we said at the start, I'm not ballsy enough to take him on. But history suggests that he struggles more so against the Scorchers. Um, Jordan Silk's another that's down 26 points. Aaron Hardy's down 21 points. Um, and then I guess one that is most concerning for me is Jason Berendorf, who's down 19 points. But having said that, as we said off the top, given the form he's in this final series, there's also that counter argument. So I guess the data's there. Um, we'll put it up. So. You can all have a look at the hard hard numbers as well, but I guess you just have to weigh up the form of someone like a Berendorf versus the history against um, a site. Is there something that you would prioritise more over the other, Damo? To be honest, previous numbers are very important to look at, but I don't think it dictates form in particular, in a, especially in a big final. Some players can come out of the blocks and score really well and some players can sort of get a bit of stage fright especially on such a big occasion so I think the numbers are good to consider but we all know how good these players are on their day and some of them you just don't want to miss out on a bit like Dan Christian like you said yeah 100% and even looking at recent scores so Vince had a duck and then 98 not out so that's a quick change in form Philippi's had a five and 129 Marsh has had 129 and a 2. Inglis has had 104 and a 2. Um, Ty, 127 and a 3. So that, you know, I as you said, I think I'd rather look at form over scoring history. 
a lot of these guys, you know, these two sides are in the final because both lists are, are the two strongest in the competition. And on one day you might have one guy make a lot of runs and on the next day you might make nothing. So I think you just almost have to cross your cross your fingers. Um, but, yeah, I'd certainly be prioritising form over, over scoring history. Captains, who are you thinking for a captain? Ooh. It's a tough one this week. It definitely is a tough one. I'm sort of circling around three or four players. Uh, Livingston is one of them. He's particularly attractive if he's going to bowl, even if it's just a couple of a couple of overs. Um, ben Dwarshus seems to be unable to score under 50 points at the moment. And Sean Abbott always seems to score well as because he's pretty dangerous with the bat if he gets a go as well. And then you've got Josh Philippe, who um, is pretty consistent with the bat. Yeah, I think this round, you know, over the last few rounds, Marnus Lubbershane was a, a pretty um, popular pick as a captain. And, and the round before you had, um, we had Lubbershane again, didn't you? But even it was sort of a Lubbershane or a Sam's or a Lubbershane or a, um, you know, an Alex Carey type. I think this this round is a, a far greater number of options. Um, I think those four that you named are, are probably the four I'm looking at as well. Um, you can always mount a case for Joe Richardson, but, I mean, the form he's in, it can be hard. If he pumps out another score of, you know, single digits, you'll be a long way behind. But if he returns to that form that he's been in over the course of the season, you'll be laughing. I think... Liam Livingston is probably the one that I'm looking at at the moment purely because obviously the threat with with both the bat and the ball, but given Aaron Hardy bowled so well the other night, that I think decreases his chances of bowling potentially. Um, Dan Christian's another one you could look at, but you know he could he could provide stuff all points as well. So it's hard this week for sure. Definitely, and. <laughs> And Andrew Ty on ABC Radio this morning said that Jason Roy was unlikely to return to the Scorchers lineup for the final. So that probably leaves Bancroft in the side and probably leaves him at the top as well. Given that I understand money is not really people's issues at the moment because you can pick whoever you like, um, as many trades as you like. But is he someone that's worth looking at over someone like an Inglis or a Marsh or even a Munro, given that Munro didn't bat um, last night against the against the Brisbane Heat? Yeah, there certainly is a an argument to start Bancroft over someone like an Inglis purely because we think he'll bat higher. Um, but the counter argument to that is guys like Inglis and Munro are probably better players um, than than what Bancroft is. So I guess you you have to weigh up that opportunity versus talent. Um, sort of thing. Sam Hazlitt was a trap that some people fell for last round um, because of, you know, a lot of people thought he might open after he batted so well again before. Um, but the flip side of that is Bancroft opened and, and did really well. So, yeah, it's um it's a tough one for sure. Yeah, it's one of those things where these decisions are the sorts of things that will decide whether you keep your high rank or lose some placings or 
miss out on a prize even. So people will be trying to move up as much as possible to finish as high as possible in the Supercoach rankings. But we ultimately don't know what's going to happen. And it's very much a guessing game, especially when it comes down to cricket. Yeah, that's it. And especially T20 cricket. So my advice would be to just cross your fingers and hope. And hopefully it's a really good game and both teams get a get a crack with the bat and with the ball. And it, it's not a one-sided affair. Um, but yeah, I guess we just have to ride that wave. And to finish up, are you going for the Sixers or the Scorchers, Dylan? I'm probably going for the Scorchers only because they were my pre-season tip. Um, but I think the Sixers might win. What about yourself? Perth man, Scorchers? I'd like to say that my bias hasn't come into it and say that I don't know if the week off would have done the Sixers any good, but I honestly don't know if that's the case or not. But yes, I'm going for the Scorchers. Yeah. And a player of the match? Player of the match, Colin Munro or Jason Berendorf? I, I don't know. I'd say maybe. I'll say Sean Abbott or Liam Livingston. Now, as is not here, but he has left us a message for the community. So we'll leave that right at the end. So thank you, Dylan, for joining us. Thank you. It's been a been an awesome season taking part with, with yourself and Azza and, and Lech and all of our um, wonderful guests across the season as well. Bryce Mitchell, um, Ben from Honeyball, Tim Mitchell, these sorts of guys who um, really enhance the podcast, I think. It was great to have all of them on and hopefully we can get them on for something else Jock Reynolds related in the future. Good luck for the weekend, community. Strength. It's a quality that's found everywhere throughout human history. The strength to come together, putting differences aside to overcome adversity. The strength to fight back when the chips are down. The strength to change the world, and the strength that is always found in numbers. 115. Jake Weatherwood scores his maiden T20 ton and guides the Adelaide Strikers to their first BBL trophy in BBL 07. 308.33. Mitch Marsh strike rate in the BBL 03 final that ultimately helped Perth Scorchers to the third consecutive BBL title. Two, the amount of five-wicket hauls that eight-time T20 champion Dan Christian has taken in the Big Bash League, an all-time record. At its core, Supercoach is a numbers game, but we all know it's more than a game. Fueled by ambition, sacrifice, Belief and determination. Supercoach is a passion so ferocious. It gives us an immeasurable strength to look beyond the challenges that we have faced and revel in the beauty of live sport. This Saturday, the Sydney Sixers and Perth Scorchers once again meet on the biggest stage and will mark the end of another exciting and thrilling season of KFC BBL Supercoach. 
57 days and 61 games, now comes down to one more feat of strength. One more roll of the dice, one more effort, and one more time that we can believe we are something more, a true super coach.